0: Welcome to Long Story Long. I'm your host, Lisa Curry. Today's guest is my very funny and wonderful friend, Alex Hooper. Alex is a comedian and roaster and actor. You may know him from America's Got Talent, where he appeared three times. He's also been featured on Ellen. He's been all over the place, and he's so lovely. This was a great conversation. You're going to love it. Here you go. Hey, Alex. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Lisa? I'm good. Thanks. I'm, um, I'm really good. I'm having a... Really nice day. I am too, actually,
1: surprisingly surprisingly enough. Yeah, made myself a good breakfast, had probably too much coffee, and now I'm here ready to talk as fast as I can.
0: I think too much coffee is the key to life. You know, I'm having like a pot a day and I'm like, you know what? This feels good. This feels right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have a pot of coffee and then I smoke a bunch of pot and then I'm anxious <laughs> and turned up at the exact same time so I yeah. can be extra freaked out about everything in my life.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's it's just the coffee high and then the weed to bring you back down and then something else to spike your energy again because the weeds brought you down too far. It's just it's man living in L.A. is fun.
1: Yeah. I'm on the Hunter S. Thompson plan, you know, just wake up, start with some, <laughs> yeah. start with some fantasy, immediately do a line of Coke, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, a little bit of acid throughout the day just to keep it interesting, whatever it, you know, whatever it takes.
0: Yeah. This is the, the beauty of being an adult in Los Angeles. You just do <laughs> whatever you want. That's it. Yeah. It's, people were
1: like, you're going to eat, you can eat ice cream for dinner. I was like, ice cream for dinner. I can have Coke for breakfast. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> it's always funny to me when people are like, yeah, you know this is the this is what's great about not having kids. I'm like, oh, do you think people with kids don't do drugs all day? Yes. Yeah. Or like, aren't fucked up? Like, have you met parents? <laughs>
1: Seriously, every mom that's like, it's wine o'clock.
0: Yeah, like, and it's eleven a.m. Uh, that's a woman it's
1: with like... a problem. Like, you know, she's somebody <laughs> needs to reach out.
0: Yeah. Where did you grow up? Baltimore. Oh. I don't know why that's surprising to me. That was weird. Uh, that was a weird. Oh wow! Oh, I can't I, believe I think it. A lot of
1: people pin me in the Midwest, um, but no, I'm pretty East Coast through and through. Because you're
0: friendly. You don't have. And you're positive. You don't have this like hardened. Like I was. I was mugged when I was 12. Fine. No,
1: I mean I did when I was younger. <laughs> like have a very hard edge to me. But I mm-hmm. think honestly, I think California shaved it off pretty well. Like I yeah. came out here and the sunshine down on me. And then I, you know, I went to one sound bath and I was like, oh,
0: I guess I'm <laughs> just really like chill. All now. it takes. <laughs> It's like a sound bath or just like one mushroom trip and you're a whole new person. I, I it should be mandatory, I think. Oh, great. Psychedelics. A
1: hundred percent. I think everyone needs to eat an eighth of mushrooms at least at one time in their life and yeah. see what happens. I actually I I thought about this years ago. I think it should be mandatory for when we get a new president on January or like on their on their in, uh, in inauguration, inauguration day? day. I was about to say mm-hmm. induction day. I was like induction day Whatever. Right? It, it's inauguration all a joke. <laughs> Um, I think the whole thing should not be them giving a speech. I think we should put them in a room by themselves with a camera on them, feed them an eighth of mushrooms, and just leave the camera on for eight (laughs) hours and they're not allowed to leave. Be honest with us.
0: I think that's a great idea. Maybe (laughs) give them some art supplies.
1: Yes, something to keep them a little bit, but like, honestly, there's no hiding at that point. You tell all those promises that you made, how honest were you about those, you know?
0: absolutely. Um, Growing up in Baltimore, did you know you wanted to be a comedian?
1: No, Um, I always liked Comedy, and Uh I grew up in a very artistic family. My grandmother was a professional actress for over seventy years. Um, So I grew up like dramatic, or yeah, tons of tons of stage, a lot of commercials, some films. She's in like Cry Baby and some other stuff. Um, so she was a huge inspiration for our whole family because I so I grew up going to lots of theater, always something artistic, concerts, Uh museums, and I was a terrible kid. I hated myself uh, and everyone around me no don't i mean it's you know just normal kid with uh full-on skin disease shit that you know just hating life but i always loved stand-up comedy never knew you could just do it um so then when i moved to cal i moved to california to be an actor because that's what i was doing through high school and college and Uh stuff and six months later just fell into comedy
0: i love it it's also uh your style of performance makes so much sense knowing that you grew up going to theater and that you had artistic people in your family because you're so unique and you're not just doing, I mean, you know, 95% of standups are just standing there reciting jokes they've written and like not moving or doing. There's no performance aspect. I'm very over the top. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's a way to put it. I try to be, I
1: try to be animated yet mm-hmm. grounded like i don't want my physicality to outshine the jokes that i'm actually writing because i do yeah. consider myself a good joke writer and i don't want to just be like like just i don't want to be all personality but yeah it's just in me to perform when i'm on stage and even when i'm doing like having a normal conversation like this like I'll still find myself like lifting and like going, using dynamic vocal presentation. Mm -hmm. I can't help it.
0: Uh, I I love it. I think that's awesome. When you were a kid, what did you think you wanted to be when you were a kid? I wanted
1: to be, well, I was. I had such a terrible outlook on life that I just mm-hmm. thought I would either be homeless or maybe like a truck driver um, or, I, I mean, I didn't know because I was so convinced mm-hmm. that I would never make it past like 30 years old because I oh, would no. kill myself with drugs, alcohol, or just a gun, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, It's really like you grow, you know, growing up, I I was in and out of the hospital and always dealing with my eczema because it was so full blown that there was no just like, oh, don't worry about it today. Like it was, I had to worry about it every day and it hurt so bad and I was in so much discomfort that I just like, I wanted the misery to be over. And I didn't think that life could be like so magical and wonderful as I now have made it.
0: Yeah, are you an only child too?
1: No. I'm uh, I'm from my from my own like stock, my mom and dad, uh-huh. I'm the middle. I have an older sister uh-huh. and a younger brother. But then my dad had two kids in a previous marriage, then my mom got remarried, had another kid. So oh, yeah. There's and so there's steps and halves all over the place, but really like my main flock is my younger brother and my older sister.
0: Yeah, that's hard. I assume they don't also have severe eczema. No, they which is hard because it's like that must have been so isolating. Like poor little Alex, like what the fuck? Why am I dealing with this? Yeah. Like my sister,
1: my my sister had uh, type one diabetes and I was like, oh, look who gets off easy, okay. <laughs> like, oh, you almost died and you have to give yourself a shot every day? I'm on fire right now, how dare yeah. you? <laughs> and then, yeah, my brother had no problems, was getting laid by the time he was 15 and I was just like, I was like, I, I love him so much, but at the time yeah. I was like, fuck everything about you.
0: You're um, like, if I don't kill me, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you,
1: when you're in that kind of pain, all you think about is like, how can I bring the world down with me? Like, <laughs> yeah. honestly, like some people just want to watch the world burn <laughs> Master Bruce, yeah. you know, like that 100%. kind of shit. Like that's where I was. I would like, mm-hmm. I was a monster to people because I felt like one. So I was like, I'm going to act the part. Let's go.
0: Yeah. That's awful. Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, that's people got bit- really tired yeah. of hiding yeah. under their bed and scaring them in the middle
0: of the night. <laughs> when, um, did you go to college at all, or did you just come straight out to LA for acting?
1: No, uh, I haven't come out quite yet, by the way. Just so that's a secret. Um, so um, <laughs> no, I I went to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I took a year after high school, was just like waiting tables in a Ruby Tuesday, and then I followed uh, the, couple, dream. Uh, live in the dream, the living the dream. Of course, yeah. I mean that that salad bar, ooh baby. <laughs> um, so. I went to college in Pittsburgh, Point Park University. It was a small liberal arts college, like four to 5,000 mm-hmm. students. A couple of my oh, wow. really good friends from school went there. So I got into their theater program. And it was basically just like another place to be for a while because yeah. I still didn't know what I wanted. But my parents said, you either move out and get a job or you go to college. And I was like, Fuh. not ready to live on – not ready to be fully independent yet, Um, too scared, whatever it may be. So Mm -hmm. did the college thing and just kind of did it, you know? But I will say I did find what what, myself a little bit more in college, Um, being able to find. That's where I found my partner, my current, my wife. We got when we got together, and then that's when I started really getting legitimate acting stuff. I joined the Screen Actors Guild while I was in college.
0: Oh Um, wow, that's incredible!
1: Yeah, got expelled for it. uh, Wait,
0: whoa! How (laughs) did you get expelled from SAG? So
1: I was in a school play in my junior year, and. And at the time, and then I got cast in an MTV pilot that turned out to get picked up and go to series. And because I was in this play, stupid play, six lines in a restoration comedy, playing a character named Sancho the Pimp. No, like there's nothing, there's no substance to this character. I literally Mm -hmm. walk in like four times, say one line and leave. And my department said, if you leave this play, you're out of this program. And then so I had teachers fighting for me saying, don't we want our students to do TV shows? And the the dean of the department was like, not while they're here. And so oh. exactly. Huge fuck off. And they're I just, like,
0: yeah, you know, notoriously the entertainment industry is a place where you can just wait to start accruing credits and everything will be fine.
1: Yeah, exactly don't do this <laughs> don't, don't don't pick up this huge opportunity that's been dropped yeah. in your lap that, that's going to actually make you feel like you might be able to <laughs> succeed at this thing. How dare yeah. you? And it was so I got expelled for a year and because of that, suddenly Pittsburgh had a film boom and while all of my classmates, were doing school plays, I started doing movies. And so I got into a couple films, uh, the first one being Adventureland, and then I was in this movie uh, called Homecoming, uh, and basically was able to join SAG while everyone else was fighting for parts in a stupid ragtime or whatever. (laughs) For like three lines. Right. Unpaid. It it was one of those things where I always felt like such an outsider and I always Uh felt like I'm not a theater kid. Like I do enjoy acting and I like this world, but I don't like the connotation of what people think this is and what this acting school is making it out to be. And I always kind of felt like, Maybe I don't have what it takes because I'm not willing to do this song and dance routine that everyone else seems to be a part of. But then I did this and I was like, oh, no, everyone else is an idiot. I'm yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm like they're they're doing unpaid school productions. And meanwhile, <laughs> I'm on set with shucking jiving with Kristen Stewart,
0: who made a good yeah. decision
1: here. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh... It sounds like your professor or whomever was, or the theater director, whoever said you can't also be in drama at school was just super jealous. you know
1: what the worst part was? I was already done all of my drama credits. The only thing I needed was two history of theater classes. So it wasn't even an acting class. It was an academic theater class that they wouldn't allow me to take at that time to finish. So I basically just stalled for a year, went back and finished it. Um, Uh I think I finished it. I'm pretty sure I have a degree. (laughs) Honestly, I never picked it up or went to a graduation so i can't be 100 percent sure same with high school i know i graduated yeah. i didn't go so um maybe i have a high school diploma
0: i don't know yeah i don't if it makes you feel any better i don't i graduated but i don't have a high school diploma because uh, i took a couple of trips with the school and my it's a whole long story but i had an outstanding balance so when I graduated, I walked across the stage with everyone else and I was handed a, a like the, you know, the leather bound book that mm-hmm. your diploma comes in, but mine had a bill in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then i sat down and i was like great
1: that's so funny just to think that like everyone else is like wow look at this and you're like yeah mine says seven thousand dollars uh is that what yours is that what yours says under name i'm (laughs) like
0: how much does everyone owe i owe like 400 bucks and they're like what you don't know we don't know anything it it, it
1: was i i I was
0: never good at school
1: anyway like i dropped out of high school was expelled from college like it was i just i Mm -hmm. like learning i just i'm when you tell me I have to do something in a specific way, my brain shuts down and goes, no, we're not doing it. Like, I really think like finding comedy was my only real choice because it's the only time we're being a rebellious personality and Mm -hmm. going against what everyone says actually can pay off.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you can just like fuck off and do whatever you want. And nobody, I mean, whatever you want could also bury you if whatever you want to do is not do anything and not be motivated, but it's also just so nice to fully be your own boss. Like a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, it's terrifying sometimes because no one, when something fails, you can only answer to yourself. You There's no mm-hmm. one else to blame. And sometimes you don't know what to do with your own self and career. Like when you finish one project, and you don't have another one lined up, ready to go, it's sometimes you're like freaking out, but at the same time, it's like, okay, but it's also my choice of what I want to do. I don't have to wait for the next assignment from my boss to say, Hey, this is what we need done. It's all self-motivating. And I've made a career out of doing things that everyone has told me not to do. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a beautiful thing just by believing in, I'm like, well, I want to do this and I believe in it. So maybe it will work. And if it doesn't, well, who cares?
0: Yeah. As you pursued acting and comedy, were you? I assume, yes, was your family supportive of it or were they yeah. like
1: what the fuck no they were so stoked because i was such a, I, I was so misguided for so for mm-hmm. a long time and had no direction whatsoever so even I, I could have been like guys i am starting a company where i sift human shit through my teeth and they would have been like thank god our son he's doing something with his life <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered as long as i was excited about it yeah. and they my my family thinks this is the coolest thing on the planet. My mom has come to TV tapings to multiple shows, like she thinks it's it's the greatest to them. My mom was visiting a couple weeks ago and in a single night I had shows at the Comedy Magic Club and the Comedy Store, and so she just gets to wa- run around with me to all these like legendary places and just feel like and everyone treats her so well and they with all my family. So they love they love these stories that come mm-hmm. out, and they love to see me thriving in in such
0: a unique world. I love it. Is your grandma still living?
1: No, she passed away. Uh, she lived. She made it to like 90, 95 five, I think. Uh, oh. She passed away like five, six years ago. Um, had oh. really bad dementia by the end of it. Oh, like, no. I remember visiting her and and she was like, who are you? And I was like, oh, my name's Alex. I'm an actor in LA, At the uh, actor and a comedian. And she was just like, and I remember her going, oh, my grandson is a comedian in Los oh. Angeles.
0: <sighs> you yes. might know him. And I was like, yeah, I might. <laughs> it was, oh. you know. But- so does she... I guess, did she get to know that you were Doing that? She knew I was doing it. Like, she knew, um, she got to
1: see me perform when it really early on. Um, uh-huh. she was very cognizant for a long time. She did a one woman show at 91. Uh, you're about- fucking kidding yeah, me. Yeah. And here's the an even crazier part her sister, who was in her late 80s, wrote the play that she Stop. did. So both That's of them incredible. lost their husbands. My, her sister lived in Holland at the time after she lost. Her husband lived there for a couple more years, then came over to live with my grandmother. So like you were talking about the cutest little golden girl situation. These two very big personalities in their 80s, 90s are living together and supporting each other and creating masterful pieces of art between the two of them that that's incredible it was it was nuts like having my grandmother was like a baltimore legend and watching mm-hmm. her do things like that at that age specifically was Insane to me. Because at the time, I was doing small acting roles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing, like, hours like I am now. So to watch a 91-year-old woman perform an hour, (laughs) I was like, you are fucking with me. This is insane, the amount of talent. That your brain is still right here. And then within two or three years, (laughs) shut down. Maybe
0: she just burned it out you know maybe she just was so good for so long that it was like the computer system was like we're fried yeah it might it might have been we can't we could carry you to the end if you didn't do this yeah it's like hey
1: you You know you, you've spent the last 70 years pretending to be other people now you don't even know who you are anymore so yeah. everything is jammed together we've hit a stopping yeah. point and it's all personalities are mixed up so have fun yeah. remembering your own life
0: yeah, they're like, we're going to need a system update or I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, something has to give here.
0: What made you start stand-up?
1: So I've been living in LA for a little over five months. I was doing small acting stuff here and there, going on some random auditions and booking little things. Um, and then I was kind of bored. And I went to go see my friend Dale, who was one of my, who is still one of my best friends today. Um, he was performing at the Comedy Store doing a bringer show. I didn't know what a bringer show was. I just went to go. I'm like, oh my god, my friend Dale's at the Comedy Store? This is crazy. He Mm -hmm. went up in the belly room, went up, I think, 19th on the lineup. Out of 550. Exactly. And I was watching this (laughs) going, these people, this is who performs here at the comedy store? Like, (laughs) I think I'm funnier than this. How do these people get to
0: be here? Fully seeing your friend up there and being like, God, this is garbage. No, he's hilarious. <laughs> but it, it was everyone else in the meantime. I've always like he's one of
1: he's the funny, one of the funniest people I know. And he doesn't even do comedy anymore. He's mm-hmm. a musician. Um, he's still one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. But it was watching everyone else and going, like, this how am I not able to do this? Why can't I do this? <laughs> and then you start and then and then he got off stage and we talked about it. he's like, you can't. You can totally do this. I can set you up with doing this. So he booked. He put me in touch with a producer, put me on a bringer show, did it one time in 2009. That was my first time in March. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, this forever, please. That's all I've ever wanted.
0: Isn't it hilarious, by the way? First of all, I love that. uh, Because it was also, I relate, it was instant for me as well, um, even on bringer shows. But I love also that seeing the worst comedy imaginable is inspiring and not even like a fuck these people but just like a oh christ it's like just seeing anyone do anything simple you're like well yeah i can well, growing I can certainly do that. You
1: think I? I would watch these comedians, and I think, well, you must be chosen in some way, right? Like somebody mm-hmm. saw something in you and was like yes. nurturing you. And mm-hmm. then I realized like, no, everyone's just a normal person that thinks they're kind of funny, so they start doing this. And I tell anyone because so many people reach out and like, I want to do comedy. How do I do it? I tell them, just go to an open mic. Just yeah. go. <laughs> you don't even have to yeah. go up. But when you watch the level of fuckery that happens and just you know sure some people will be gems diamonds in the rough but for the most part you're gonna watch a lot of people go up there and shit their pants publicly (laughs) and you're gonna go sometimes literally yeah why can't i do that (laughs) and you can and you look at if you watch these people when people are like how does that guy sell millions of tickets don't be jealous be inspired go "Yeah, yeah that guy sucks he did it like Imagine Dragons yeah. is like the biggest band in the past 100 years. I think they fucking <laughs> suck. Now, I don't Now, here's the thing. Do they suck? No. Are they just not for me? Yes. And that's where I had to get myself to a point of these people aren't bad because I don't like them. They're just yeah. not my style that I'm looking for. So, if you want to be an artist, find mm-hmm. people who you resonate with and connect with them and then emulate them for a while. But yeah. you can do this. Don't look at Brit. Don't look at Katy Perry and say, "I want to be a pop star." How do I get there? Look at someone terrible and go. <laughs> I, look at look at look, look at the Catch Me Outside girl making fifty two million dollars on OnlyFans while having a budding rap career.
0: Fuck Tell us, me. dude. <laughs> yeah. I also, to anyone listening that's inspired by Alex and you want to start comedy, please don't. We're all full. There's too many. Go away. The door's
1: closed, (laughs) honestly. There's no room for you and you won't make it, so.
0: It is. There is also, uh, it is, I think people must be so horribly not self-aware for so many people to look at anyone doing anything creative and to say, I could do that. It's like, yeah, but you're not doing it. So,
1: And I got that in droves because going on, like when you go on a show like, you know, doing America's Got Talent, obviously mm-hmm. the world wants to speak up, the people that watch that show. And people are like, oh, yes. well, what is he really doing? He's just making a few insults, he's just mm-hmm. reading a book. Like, no. You don't understand <laughs> what I'm doing. And there's a reason, and that's one of the things about doing comedy on America's Got Talent. If you do a good job, nobody recognizes it because they think they can do it. Because you're not juggling mm-hmm. flaming dildos on a unicycle. Yeah. Nobody's gonna see that and go, I can fucking do that, dude. <laughs> but if you're just talking, is, yeah. speaking well, and in an articulate way that makes people mm-hmm. connect and respond, people are like, well, I can do that. I have conversations every fucking day.
0: This is Alex. I say this all the time where I'm like, if you see a musician, you're like, well, I, I'm i certain I don't know how to play guitar. Yeah. That, that I know. So I know I can't do that. But people see stand-up and they think, "Oh, you're you're literally standing up and you're speaking." Those are two things I am fully capable of doing, and it's like, "You have no idea, you don't know what we're doing." And it's like that's the ma- that's when you know you're good though is when people are like, "Oh, you're standing up there talking." Where what? like, <laughs> you know, if you have a, if you bomb your face off and you come off stage and somebody's like, "Man, comedy's hard," you're like, <laughs> "Yeah." Yeah, sure yeah is. it is, uh, it <laughs> especially really, for me today. It truly is, <laughs> and those bombs
1: make you feel alive and dead at the same time. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's just one of those things where you don't realize how masterful it can be until you get engrossed in someone and realize that you just didn't even think about anything else for the past mm-hmm. 45 minutes. Like my brain was fully enraptured in what this person is doing in front of me. And I didn't think about the fact that I'm. I'm. I'm behind on my bills, or my kid is sick, or my dog is growing up on
0: the carpet at home. Unless that was your set list. Right. Well, I'm behind on my bills. My kid is (laughs) sick. My dog is growing up. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How did America's Got Talent come about? Because that is, I mean, obviously, so many people know you from that. That's huge.
1: Yeah, it's um so they came to roast battle. They wanted someone to roast the judges. And I oh. which I which I couldn't believe. Like I was literally talking to a producer and I was like, "So you just watch roast battle." And they're like, "Yeah." And I was like, "You think this should be on America's got like did you hear (laughs) network television homophobia misogyny racism sexism insert ism into whatever like did you hear any of that and they were like look we think it could be really funny and so they picked five or six of us to come in and audition and Mm -hmm. I just I had already done it on comedy central in my weird character way of roasting for those that Mm -hmm. have never seen me do it I'm I don't roast as myself I put on like Mm -hmm. elaborate cops costumes and I do it in this very grandiose outlandish fashion. And um, so I showed them that thinking like, if I'm going to go on your show, I want to do it the way I want to do it. And if I'm Mm -hmm. just myself, like a white, straight white male going, hey, Heidi Klum, you suck. People are going to be like, fuck this guy. But if I do it in a silly way that's entertaining and people say I'm not serious, well, maybe it will work. And so they were... All about it, and they. Uh, I know this. My producer said that I was the very last tape that was shown because she didn't think that she should show anyone what I did. <laughs> and then she said, literally, the she was in the producer meeting, and they were. Does anyone have anything else? And she goes, Well, I have. This one guy.
0: Oh, my God. Just with, like, the most reluctance possible. Yeah. And She's the, like, I'm just going to tell you we're not going with him and don't pick him. I just happen to have this video. I found it in a dumpster. I'm sorry. Yeah, basically, because I had shot – they had to shoot a video of me actually,
1: like, doing roast jokes against mm-hmm. the judges. And so – and apparently the executive producer went, get this guy on the phone right now. Who is this person?
0: We need Wait, him. Wait, so you had pre-written – you – yeah. for that tape you wrote jokes about them so they sent me because you have to send in a tape first of like mm-hmm. what
1: you the idea at least of what you're gonna do so mm-hmm. i i wrote i quickly wrote a bunch of jokes filmed a, filmed an audition sent a tape out and never thought i would hear a single thing to be honest with you um it's like they're not gonna want this
0: do you think maybe just maybe the producer that was like let me get him on the phone immediately was like i'm so fucking tired of these hosts in this show i have a feeling that, that is the case they also
1: apparently when i went in in front of the executive producer because then after that they call you in to actually come in and like we need to meet you um mm-hmm. and he told me he goes i did my act again and he said i remember you from jeff ross's show and i was like oh cool he goes i don't remember mm-hmm. anyone else i remember you and I was like, oh, "Oh, that's great! Cool!" So apparently, me putting on pajamas and a fur coat and throwing out lollipops to the crowd mm-hmm. did something, um, made a memorable performance. And so that's how I ended up on the show. And then, yeah, ended up doing two seasons, making it to all the way to the live shows, um, three total performances of me roasting them. And you know, it's it's given me so much work. I'm so thankful to them for allowing me to be myself.
0: That's incredible. Was that, and that must have been, I mean, considering you were pretty certain you weren't going to get it in the first place, and then you went on to do it several times, it must have been so surreal.
1: Yeah. I mean, the what? so like the first time was already surreal um, because I just never saw that as part of my path. Mm-hmm. The second time was during COVID, was during the pandemic. Like my second audition was on March 13th, March 14th, 2020. Mm-hmm. The day wow. everything shut down, and while we were there, wow, seventy-five ha- thir- percent of the crew went home. They didn't know how they were shooting with a skeleton crew. They didn't even know if they were going to get to us, and we didn't know what was happening. And literally, mm-hmm. the next day was lockdown. So then, that whole season was spent with us in lockdown, trying to figure out how we were going to make this work, and that was its own beast of, uh, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I had something to do during lockdown, but every day was phone calls and emails like, okay, throw out everything we told you before. Here's the new plan. Here's what we're gonna do. And it made me think very outside the box because they were like, hey, we don't even know if we're gonna be able to bring you in. You might have to do this through Zoom. And I was like, what? No, I can't do this no.
0: through Zoom.
1: Yeah. Like, this is going to be – I'm going to look like an asshole. Like, even more so than I want to look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're not picking up on your warmth if you're uh- –
0: Online. Right.
1: There's nothing. People, are, people aren't going to be able to see that I'm a genuine person that's just trying to be yeah. funny. And so that's when I came up with the whole idea of, well, what if if I had to shoot it from home? What if I was in bed reading a storybook to people? Because then I don't have to rely on laughter or rhythm. I can just write out a cadence that will oh, work yeah. for me. And when it actually came time to shoot the live shows, they were like, do you still like that storybook idea? And I was like, yeah, I really like it. That's what I want to do because I'm not going to have an audience. So I don't know if these jokes are going to hit but if I write them with this rhyming rhythmic cadence then it won't matter if they're hitting or not because I can yeah. keep myself flowing and I will say this to see to see an idea that started in my head go onto a scale like that when I walked mm-hmm. onto that rehearsal stage before the day before I shot and I looked behind me at a screen and Fifty feet high were these cartoons that my friend Eddie Malden had drawn for me that were in my head Incredible. from my jokes. I was like, oh my God. There like the, what started in my head is now millions of dollars in production. This is so rad.
0: It was such a fucking trip. Oh, man. So trippy, especially because we were still in a pandemic. <laughs> so, like, <Yeah. laughs> I, yeah. everyone else is shutting down and unable to do anything. And you're like, yes, but check this out. Yeah. Brad Williams, I, I, I remember
1: Brad Williams ran into me at the comedy store one night and he goes, How's it feel to be on TV and not be able to do shit with it? I was like, better than not
0: being on TV. because yeah. <laughs> you can still do something with it now. Yeah. and are able to. You know, oh, very it's much. Not like so. the TV credit goes away. Yeah, and uh, you just can't do plays. No, <laughs> none of that.
1: But that's like, and that performance, like especially that live show one, is one of the things I'm most proud of because I was I couldn't practice those jokes. I hadn't been performing mm-hmm. other than Zoom shows. There was no audience. I was full in full life on me yeah and th- and i am performing live for 10 million people that if that wasn't a chance for me to step up and go alex can you fucking do this or not that was like a moment where i walked off stage and i was like dude you got this like that was that's incredible that was a big step
0: that's incredible did you do you feel like i mean obviously they shoot the judges reactions as as though you're you're completely sincere. Were you able to, to chit-chat with them outside of delivering jokes to them? I've
1: never, huh. I've never talked to any of them except for Howie Mandel and Terry Crews. Well, Terry's not a judge. He's the host because him and I had to shoot yeah. some like B-roll stuff together. Uh-huh. Um, but I wanted so bad, especially in the second... I, I've always wanted to meet Simon Cowell because I never actually mm-hmm. have and he was my first like champion. He was the only one who voted for me in 2018. He thought what I did was hilarious when everyone else said no. Um, mm-hmm. But I really... Really wanted to meet specifically Sophia Vergara, Heidi Klum. I was like, I can take it or leave it. But Sophia, really?
0: <laughs> nothing. Like, uh, I, I'm sorry, that's so funny. I mean,
1: right, because like Whatever. this iconic goddess, and I'm like, take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. It's fine. <laughs> um, but mm, Sophia, no really. Sophia is. A great comedic actress, a huge personality, someone Mm -hmm. and also very much my type of woman that I am into anyway. And I really Mm -hmm. wanted to tell her, you know, this is all a joke, right? You know, I have nothing but love and respect for you. I am so I admire the fact that I'm even in your presence. I wanted to tell her all that. And. They wouldn't let us. They wouldn't let us go. They we had we couldn't even be our, our own contestants. Like they kept us so separated. Damn, um, that's such a bummer. Yeah, I mean, because this is peak COVID. This is you do not take off your mask. You do not go within six feet. So oh yeah, and that that. Applied for TV too.
0: (laughs) You're like, can I pass her a note? And they're like, absolutely not. I know. And I was like, we're being tested like 19 times a week.
1: Like you know, we're okay. Just let me be in the presence of this voluptuous woman.
0: (laughs) So, uh, are you continuing to to pursue? Acting jobs?
1: Yeah, um, I mean that's what I mean. I really I came out here to be an actor. I still love be I still mm-hmm. love acting. I've done a few sitcoms, but it's been a little while. I did a pilot presentation in March that doesn't Ooh. doesn't seem like it's going to get picked up, but it was exciting anyway. But yeah, I mean I'm still auditioning, um, doing all the self tapes, lots of voiceover auditions because that's honestly as much as I want to be an actor. I want the cartoon world so yeah, bad. Yeah, it. that's a dream. Oh my gosh. I want that so bad because first of all, it doesn't matter how you age. If your voice stays pretty much the same, you can continue doing things forever. And mm-hmm. it's just so much more, you can play with it so much more. I do a lot of, auditions. I've never booked one, by the way. So if you're listening to this and you book voiceover roles, uh, hi, I'm here. Um, But apparently I I have a great agent, have been with them for a few years, and just the numbers are so against you that they tell me it's like winning the lottery. They told me, my agent told me the other day, so I, because I've been called in for the same show multiple times, this children's TV show where, and they always have me play villains, which are so fun. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, they keep calling me in. Does that mean I'm doing a good job? She goes, You are doing a good job, but that has nothing to do with what you keep keep, keep, keep getting called in. She said they are getting six to eight hundred (sighs) auditions per role, which is like I was like, that's a lot. Oh, then the chances are they're not even listening to my tape no, because no. if that was no, no no here's the it's i'm not saying this in a negative <laughs> way because i do think i will i know i'm going to break through into that it's mm-hmm. just you have to just keep working on everything else and building up your name in other ways so that suddenly they go oh wait a minute alex hooper's this for this yeah let's listen to that like that could be interesting yeah. and you just have to they have to see your name enough 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 to do it because if that were me I'd go through like 30 and be like, I'm done. Whoever I listen to next fucking has this part, dude.
0: That's the thing. Whenever I hear about like a show staffing writers, Jon Stewart's new show, for example, I heard they got like 1,200 submissions. And they were only a page a piece, but it's still 1,200 pages. That is literally longer than the torture report. (laughs) that is... yeah that's the warranties (laughs) of
1: submissions
0: (laughs) too many pages and it's uh, this is like whenever anyone's asked me for advice on packets and stuff i'm like best jokes up top and make sure your font's not crazy it doesn't look insane whatever because i'm sure i'm Listen, I haven't been inside the packet reading process. But what I imagine is that people get 1,200 and they're like, they start out with the best of intentions. I'm going to read all of these. And by the time they get to 50, they're like, so help me if I see a capital letter in the wrong place, I'm throwing out the whole (laughs) goddamn thing. Because it's like at a point you just need a filtering system because it's not, you're not going to be able to, one person, whoever, you know if we're saying like that's a control, not a control group, you know what I'm saying? Like you would want to apply the same opinion or same thought process to everyone's to if all things equal. But it's like, that's not, That would take you six years. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's got to be like at some point, like it's literally like, oh, this person
1: had a piece of gum stuck to their packet, and it accidentally stuck to others, and that's the reason Mm -hmm. why we saw it. Otherwise, it would have been buried. And who, like, it's all such a crapshoot. So, which is why it's so important that we do every we do so much, uh, so many other things on our own, whether it be internet clips or podcasts or touring Mm -hmm. or any making sketches, whatever it may be, because you have to continually just build your name so that one day when that perfect role does come in and you're up against a bunch of other people you will stand out and they Mm -hmm. will take the time of day to say you know what let's watch lisa curry's tape let's read her packet we know she's done great work in the past Let's give her the time of day and you're not just part of the shuffle anymore, which I think in the beginning, yeah, you should be. You should be at the bottom of the 800 tapes because you haven't earned it yet. But then you do enough stuff and eventually somebody will be a producer at NBC or something will go, oh my god, Alex Hooper. He was so great on AGT. Oh, this is a perfect role for him to play a yes. popcorn yeah. monster in a teak in a, in a not
0: sure preschool.
1: That's, that's a real one I did recently. Um,
0: I mean, that's basically what I am—a popcorn monster <laughs> after like eight p.m. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> but yeah, it's those little things like that that I just—I have so much fun with them. And if nothing else, I will say because. I'm trying to embrace the self tapes for like theatrical roles and commercials Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I still am. I miss walking into a room and just having one opportunity, and you do it and you nail it, or you don't, and then you walk back and you get in your car and that's it. The self tape yeah. thing, having to do it all at home, find a reader, make sure the lighting is good, edit it together, and Setting then you get
0: The lighting in the background is, is like you've already lost me, dude. Come it's, on. it's
1: so much, and then you start second guessing every single tape you make. I've got because I have friends that do this, and they're like, "Dude, I'll do it twenty times if I have to if, to get." exactly what I want and I'm Uh like I will not I will if I'm if I get the words down maximum three times is what I'm taping that's hilarious you do have to cut yourself off at a time you do it's important to do that and I just think that something is gonna give where yes it will happen that way where people Mm -hmm. are looking for me instead of just oh I'm just another name on a pile
0: yeah yeah Well, it's also, if you spend too much time, too much of your day just shooting the fucking audition thing, Never mind, they're like, it has to be, every single person is like, well, that has to be uploaded uh, as such and such kind of file in however many pixels or what, listen, I'm not even getting the fucking vocabulary right, but it's like, can everybody just agree on one way so I don't have to learn a new export system for every single thing and then before you know it, there's six hours of your day gone. And it's like, cool, well now I don't have time to do anything else. Yeah. So I just essentially just bought a lottery ticket today and that was it. And you know, people (laughs) will say, but we don't have to drive to Santa
1: Monica at 4 p.m. on a Friday anymore. I don't give a shit about that. Like, I don't. (laughs) It gives me time in the car to just work on it and recite the lines and do my thing. And then it also takes it completely out of my hands. Like, I don't want to be the one to, like, to do, to make these decisions and to go, I hope that looked right. I hope I was in frame enough. All that stuff. I mean, but I will say, like, just getting auditions, I, I'm i always like, oh, thank God I have something to do. Because yeah. the hardest part about being a stand-up comedian, as soon as I quit my day job and went fully professional, when I'm not on the road, most days I'm like, what do I do? Uh, <laughs> I already I, – I woke up and I wrote and then I played some tennis and then I came home and I meditated and now it's only 1 p.m. and I don't have anything till 9 o'clock at night. What the fuck do yeah. I do with myself?
0: Yeah. So coming, you auditioned for six hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anytime
1: I get these little, like, I'm like, oh, good, a voiceover role came in that I can kind of sink my teeth into and have mm-hmm. some fun with. Whatever it may be, I'm like, please, just give me, give me an activity that I yeah. don't have to choose myself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fully agree with you on that. Um, what the fuck was again? Gonna... Oh, when how far along were you in comedy or like what at what point did you realize like oh this is for sure this is my career i got this
1: oh um tomorrow um, <laughs> <laughs> no, like I'll, fingers crossed for you. So here, yeah, thank you. Um, thoughts and <laughs> prayers, everybody. Um, no, uh, here's the thing. When I when I first time I did it, like I said, I knew I was gonna do this forever. I now did I know it was gonna be my career? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. I didn't even think about because I started in L.A. I didn't even think about how to make money from it for a very long time.
0: Yeah, um, and I still don't fully know.
1: Yeah, it's it's up in the. <laughs> every single day like what like there will literally be days when i'm like i'm not doing that for 400 and somebody else like i got a 15 spot in orange county i'm like give it to me right now i'll take it you yeah know? it's
0: there's no rhyme
1: or reason um but i will say like i knew i was doing well Um, I had, I was getting on good shows and everything. And I could tell that like, this was going to be my path, but around like Mm -hmm. five or six years, I started to get very frustrated because I was like, God, I'm watching all my friends write on shows or get late nights or do whatever. And why can't I, why aren't I getting these things? When am I going to get out of my job? How am I going to figure out how to make this a career? And even when I was getting on TV, I was like, but that's still not enough money to survive. That's like Mm -hmm. a one-time check for $3,000. Like that's a month. You know,
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you get paid crazy amounts of money, but there's so few and far between that it's like, I I mean, I've had so many people that are like, yeah, opening for Jim Jeffries, you must be like thriving financially. And I'm like, I do two gigs with him every other month. How much do you think he pays? I mean, Jim's generous. Don't get me wrong, but it's not 10 grand a spot. You know, I'm like, if I have, essentially what works out to one a month, it's not enough. It, right. It helps for sure.
1: But that's mm-hmm. when all the other things come in of like, okay, well, how do I, how much do I need to survive each month? How am I going to bring that in? Mm-hmm. And the one good thing about comedy is, is that there are so many different sources you can pull from yes. and it every day becomes like, okay, okay. I did a cameo today. That's good. There's 40 bucks right there. Oh, I got a little writing job. There's 200 bucks for something. That's going to take me mm-hmm. an hour. Oh, I have a gig tonight. That's going to pay me 75 bucks for my spot. Or I'm on the road making two grand this weekend. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Like wherever I can like just siphon off these little chunks. Yeah. Um. I knew I quit my day job officially during the pandemic because I just had this, I was working at Universal Studios selling tickets for over mm-hmm. 11 years. That was my life Um. between comedy was I would just do that. And they were good to me for the, I, it was a good job while I needed it. I made enough money and everything. But during the pandemic, I got to this point where I was like, I can't go back there. I can't put that uniform on. I will feel like a failure. I can't do that to myself again. You need to figure this out right now. How you are – you've been doing this for 11, 12 years, Alex. Yeah. Figure it the fuck out, and go out there and don't take no for an answer. And if somebody tells you no, then you find someone who's gonna say yes. And you get get on your computer every day and you email bookers. And if they don't respond, then you email them again the next week and follow up. Yeah. Yeah. All of these little things that I wasn't doing because I had my safety net, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's okay if I don't get that right now. I'll just go to Universal this week and make my money.
0: Well, yeah, I was talking to a friend recently. I was, I was. uh we were somewhere together. I don't want to give up who it was. Don't worry about it. We were, we were together and I was sending out booking emails. And they're, I was like, yeah, I have to finish sending avails. And they're like, and this is another comic. They go, I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to do And I'm like, sure, I don't have to. And I don't have to pay my rent. And I don't have to live in Los Angeles or indoors at all. It's like, yeah, I don't have to the same way I have to drink water and eat vegetables. But I if I don't do this, I don't have income. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm unwrapped. This is where all of my income comes from. So yeah, I do I do have, have to, to do this
1: right now. And there mm-hmm. are times when we tell ourselves, okay, it can wait, but then you're only doing yourself a disservice if it's something, yes. if it's something that could happen now, that could, I'm all about, so my whole thing in comedy is, Plant seeds. Plant as many mm-hmm. seeds
0: as you can, and pour a little and water. By that you mean impregnating as many people. Well, as obviously, <laughs> yes.
1: I'm going with the Nick Cannon method. He's super successful. <laughs> he's not firing blanks he's, out of that cannon. I can tell you that much. He's
0: going to have more ancestors than Genghis Khan. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it all so traces insane. back to what to Nick Cannon. People are going to be watching the Drumline. This is where it all started. Be, at some point, it's like we all have microplastics in our body. At some point, we'll all have a little bit of Nick Cannon's DNA. I think we might. Yeah, I mean, if,
1: if, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind that. I'll take, I'll take that. He's so likable. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, plant seeds. And so every day, with okay, maybe you sent an email to a booker six months ago. Well, maybe they flagged it as something that you don't realize. You just think they ignored mm-hmm. it, but maybe they flagged yeah. it and said, "Hey, I don't have room for this person right now." But yeah. when I do bam. And suddenly something that you did a year ago comes back and gives you work. So every day I'm like, how can I plant seeds? Whether it be putting clips online, emailing bookers, starting a writing project, like just putting things out in the world that maybe could flourish if given the right amount of nutrients. And most of the plants will die. Almost all of them will die <laughs> yeah. and never see the light of day. But yeah. there's, a, there's a fucking – there's a quote that I love. I'm pretty sure it's Ralph Waldo Emerson. But it's from a single acorn sprout a thousand magical forests. And that's what I think about. I'm like, OK. Yeah. On the acorn, how do I grow forests?
0: Yeah. Well, I think also the key is, I mean, if I can give anyone advice out there, is like, don't just scramble to do as much as you can, but do, do things that you genuinely like, because you're the prime example, Alex. You got cast because you're the most you you could possibly fucking be. If you were like, well, this is who I want to be, but I should play it more conservative... They would have forgotten you as well, along with everyone else that they immediately fucking forgot. And it's like, also when you're doing what you like to do, yeah, maybe it takes a little bit longer. I mean, some people strike gold right away, but it might take you a little bit longer to find your path, but it's going to be exactly where you're happiest. And that's- so fucking exciting!
1: It is. It is exciting. Um, I was on. I was in Tampa like three weeks ago. Um, and Jeff Die was in town at the same time, and we were mm-hmm. hanging out a bunch and having conversations. And 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 he was just saying how because he hit in like within two years, he was like a finalist on Last Comic Standing. Like his story. Yeah, I
0: mean, he's he looks like a Ken doll. Exactly. I mean, that's <laughs> the that, that is yeah. a part of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's he's very <laughs> it, handsome in a gentle, mm-hmm.
1: non threatening way. Um. Uh, which helps but he was—he doesn't have genitals but one of the things he said to me he goes it's going to take you a lot longer because you're unique and nobody Mm -hmm. really they can't put you in a box I was put into a box very quickly and it it was great for me but someone like you there is no box so you need to create your own path and have other people join you along the journey that are like oh I like where this guy's going I can't really tell where it is and even I don't know where it is I always say I don't know where I'm going but I like the direction and that's yeah. all I can do is keep pushing forward in a place that makes me happy and genuine
0: yeah well and I that's I don't know that's great that's what's so special about you <laughs> and uh, it's like when you see somebody also as an outside person when you see somebody thriving at what at exactly what they want to do it is magical and that's just as inspiring as seeing somebody bomb because it's like well you could do whatever you want to do.
1: Nobody was going to tell me to make a pug yoga calendar. You know, nobody was going to tell me. I
0: mean, (laughs) that
1: was fucking wild. Right, all this, I've done, and I have have a ton of examples like that. Nobody's going to tell you to do these things, but if you believe in them and if you put love into them, it doesn't matter what it is, you can make it work. And when people go, how, like, I mean, dude, look at this fucking, like the Snuggie, right? That's like a billion dollar (laughs) company because somebody said i wish a blanket was a sweatshirt (laughs) and somebody made a billion dollars and everyone do you know how many people would have gone you're an idiot
0: what are you just put on a blanket everyone 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 but that guy all all people and he's like what if a blanket had armholes and everyone's like do you mean a robe and he's like no no i'm calling it a snuggie (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a robe yeah That said, send me one, people. I want one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And yes, I do have a robe already. Um, Really quick for the audience, because I, I of course, know about the pug yoga calendar. Can you tell everyone what this is all about? Yeah,
1: so in in 2018, I released a calendar of... I have two pugs, one of them is very zen and just very stoic and very beautiful, and I started taking pictures of her and I doing yoga together, and uh, I posted them online, people were laughing at them thinking they were hilarious. Then I told Troy Conrad about it, who's a great friend of mine and a legendary mm-hmm. comedic photographer, all of shoots mm-hmm. all for everybody, and he was like, "Fuck yeah, Alex, let's do this. Let's make why why aren't we making this right now? Let's make a calendar." Like let's me shoot it and you know had Troy take a beautiful beautiful pictures had a friend design it and we just put as much work into it as we could to make sure that we were shipping a Mm -hmm. genuinely great product that I would be proud of and the people would be like I'm glad they spent $20 on a calendar nobody needs a calendar we have phones like we no one no one but so it's completely arbitrary but I put so much love into it and people started sharing it that eventually it got into Ellen's hands and she used it in a segment on her TV show. And one day I get a phone call from a friend's mom. That's like, do you know you're on Ellen right now?
0: And, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, hold on, let me call you back because I must be on Mushrooms. I must've forgotten. Yeah, I was I've at Universal on tripping. my lunch break
1: and I ran to the break room and I said, put on Ellen right now. And sure enough, she, they're, they're playing. Playing, they're playing a repeat of it, or whatever it was. I just remember like being, a
0: recap. Yeah, thing.
1: and in slow-mo. Sure <laughs> enough, there I am. On, she's holding up my calendar, and I am on a huge screen doing a bow pose with little kimchi, my pug, on my back. And I was like, she's like rifling through pictures, and I'm like, oh my god, this was the dumbest <laughs> idea I've ever had in my fucking life. And I'm on. I'm. I'm being broadcast to millions <laughs> of people right now because I did it my own way. And I believed Mm -hmm. in it. That's all. That's, I mean, if that's not a message to just go do whatever the fuck you want to do, I don't know what is.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, the number of people I talk to that are just like, yeah. And then I don't know why this happened, but it did. It's like, it's never the deliberate things you do (laughs) or like the things that you do that you're like, well, certainly this thing will lead to the next. Like I recently learned that a lot of the reason Jim wanted me on Jim Jeffrey's show was he uh, someone else on the show who was staffed on the show and also as a standup told him about that big tour of Europe I did and Jim was like oh well if she can handle that she can handle writers oh yeah and it's like I never would have thought that that would be I I would have thought it'd be like some other writing I did but it is you never know earlier completely separate. earlier this year so
1: I was doing you know I, I haven't done one in a little bit but I was doing the daily lollipop like every single day mm-hmm. on Instagram which was basically just like a little video I would make of inspiration wisdom advice whatever and I was doing them for a while and suddenly I get hit up out of nowhere by this company that says hey we have a job that we found you through Instagram through these daily lollipop things you're doing and we have a job where we need someone to write 10,000 unique phrases for us and I was like, what? I'm sorry, excuse me, 10,000 phrases? I, they, they gave me like three or four examples and they were the most irreverent, innocuous things you could come up with. Uh-huh. You know, um, a zebra bathes in the grass, whatever. It, it doesn't need to be mm-hmm. anything as long as there are 10,000 of them. And, That's quite a few. And so I won't say how much money I got paid for that job, but a significant part of my income for the year was covered because they found – I was making 30-second videos on Instagram Reels. Suddenly, this company somehow discovered them and was like, I like what this guy says. I bet he can do this job for us. And I will say this. That job was uh, very fun, very exhausting. I don't know if you realize how many 10,000 is until you start (laughs) doing it. And I would rifle off like – I did it in a – probably about 40 hours, which I was getting, I was banking. I was doing about 300 phrases per hour. Like just rallying, just my brain firing on all synapses, type, 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 type.
0: Well, and the fact that you got it done in like a week's worth of work and that was most of your income for a year. Yeah. That's huge. This is a thing too. Like what's so fucking cool about comedy and entertainment is like, yeah, you can be fucking broke, but I really feel that most people, if you just stick with it and you're diligent and you're hardworking and pleasant, or even sometimes a rapist, you <laughs> make a lot of Too money. Too many times, forty <laughs> percent of the time, if you're a rapist, it does seem to help. Um, <laughs> fucking shoot me, um, but there's no, <laughs> there's no ceiling on how much money you can make. No, and there's no, like, whenever somebody's like, well, you know, what should I charge for X, Y, and Z? I'm like, the mm-hmm. most you can possibly get for it. Yep. Your rate is always, what is the most you will possibly give me? Nobody has a, there's no rate. Yeah, I mean, I was hanging We're making up prices for things. This is absurd. Very much
1: so. And I was hanging out with a very famous comic one time, um, who is a friend, and he, I had just done, I had opened for someone in this, in this casino in Reno a couple days before, mm-hmm. and I saw that he was going to be there a couple days later, and I was like, can I just ask you what you got paid for that gig? And he said, "Well, I did two shows in the night, and mm-hmm. they paid me hundred and forty thousand dollars."
0: And I went, "I'm, I'm going to This is the end I, of the show." I went, "I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Please repeat." And he goes, "And he, and he goes, Alex. I'm, I'm not. He goes, I'm not telling you that mm-hmm. so you, for any sort of braggadocious reasons or for you to be mm-hmm. jealous. I'm telling you that so you realize what is possible for you. If there is no yeah. ceiling on this shit, like you said, and there is no." there's nobody that can really hold you back from these possibilities you don't know if you just keep going in and that's what honestly isn't that kind of what keeps us going as stand-ups anyway is the possibility that any day you could get that phone call saying lisa We love your pilot. We're picking it up to series. Come and shoot this thing. You're a producer. You're a writer. You're an actor. You're a director. Let's go. And you go, holy fuck. That's all I've wanted for 12 years. I've been waiting for this. And you don't know. As soon as we close this podcast, you could look at your phone and see an email that says you have thousands of dollars in work. We don't know. We live off these possibilities and these seeds that we plant hoping for them to sprout.
0: And it's also back to your point too. The more you do, you're just essentially buying more lottery tickets. Yes,
1: great way. That's to put all.
0: It. If you have one idea, that's fantastic. But if you have one idea, it's not going to have the reach that ten ideas are going to have, yeah. or that ten projects are going to have. And not to like burn yourself. I do. I do think that. People still need to have a life, for Christ's sake, because I think so many comics become just like insular and all their comedy is about inside baseball shit because... They don't have, because they're like, grind every day, every second of the day. And it's like, well, you got to work hard, but you also have to have a personality. Well, fault, I think I'm a prime dude. example
1: of that. Like, I think the reason why people mm-hmm. are attracted to me is because I present my lifestyle in this very fun, exciting way where I'm always traveling, going to festivals, going to concerts, putting on mm-hmm. fun outfits, interacting with people in the world. And I think people see that and go, oh, like, that's... That's comedy life, right? You are getting on stage and you're talking about your experiences because you are having experiences that are worth talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you, all of that being said, what do you have coming up that you're excited about? Um, Chemotherapy. Um, (laughs) Fuck. (sighs) Before we logged on, we were talking about how Alex uh, willed himself to have cancer. Yeah, for extra bits. Yeah, I
1: dropped – so I dropped a huge bomb this week. I have uh, Mm -hmm. Hodgkin's lymphoma and for the next six months, I will probably be going through treatments and things like that. Um, So I'm just doing – I'm in LA doing local shows, doing whatever writing jobs and auditions come up. Um, I told my agents. I was like, hey, you know when you see those auditions that come up for real cancer patients – I'm now eligible
0: <laughs> so get me work and they're like the agents being agents they were like yay yeah, yeah. finally thank you like, doing for you're, doing, you're doing you're doing something we can use not yeah, not putting like, on a tail it, yeah if it's not too much trouble if you could get AIDS after this <laughs> you would super appreciate it but honestly like right if now it is very I am
1: very one day at a time I'm not planning mm-hmm. too much I can't tra- I can't really travel right now as far as I know uh, until mm-hmm. maybe that will change when I really start this. But honestly, I'm just kind of looking for what can I do in the meantime? This, like I, I said in the beginning of this podcast, I'm a monster. And so as soon as I got <laughs> cancer, my very first thought was, how will this benefit my career? And <laughs> I immediately just started thinking about ways, whatever ideas I can have to throw this out there and give people a, a, more reasons to like me. Or, yeah. or have to care about me or whatever. And so now that it's out there in the world, uh, I made an announcement. There's been press. There's been things. Um, mm-hmm. The outpouring of love has been amazing. I'm glad I didn't keep it a secret because I thought about that. But that's just yeah. not who I am. I'm a very open person.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, surprise, turn on your TV because you're on Ellen again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so she's giving me an hbo special too (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's some insider stuff guys (laughs) something that happened yes Uh Yes. so
1: honestly right now like i'm excited because i don't know what my future holds Uh at all and i'm just kind of like do i'm doing what i want to do right now i started making these little videos about oh So you just found out you have cancer? Well, here's my experience from that. Oh, you're about to have a bone marrow aspiration? Here's my experience going through that. Oh, you have to go to a fertility clinic? Well, here's my experience for that. And just by even just giving me that creativity, that outlet, just to say, Mm -hmm. look, I don't know who's going to find this video, but maybe some person that's terrified because they just got diagnosed with cancer is going to find and want a comedic Perspective, and want somebody that's like it's gonna be okay, man. Then wants to be like, holy shit, this sucks, right? You know. Yeah,
0: yeah, because it's also like everyone say everyone around them is saying the same fucking thing. It gets boring. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm assuming. I don't know, Uh, but I'm guessing. Yeah, you know, people aren't that creative.
1: No, and that's what I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out a way to be open about this, share my story, but not be. Also, not be a sad sack. That's the last. Yeah. That's the last thing I ever want. And one thing I had to tell myself, and I think you could probably relate to this, is when I put out a video saying, "Look, guys, I just want to. I don't know what I'm going to do for a while, but I just want to do shows." There was, Mm -hmm. I was like, "Man, people are going to reach out to me, and these are going to feel like pity bookings." And then I was like, "Wait, I was like, no." Alex you were, were the other bookings that were the thousands of other pity bookings yeah. before you had cancer no you're just reminding people that you exist and they're going to book you no matter percent. what because you go up there and you do a good job and you bring good energy to whatever environment
0: you're in so yeah. I mean, that was like you posted and I saw it and I was like, oh, I don't think I've had Alex on the show yet. I should have him on. And that was, it was just that. It wasn't like, ha ha, finally I get that cancer get." Right, know? yeah, exactly. And
1: that's how, like, that's a weird thing for me because I'm not always great at accepting help from other people. Mm-hmm. And so just to be able to just surrender myself, Jessica Michelle Singleton said something amazing to me. She sent me, a, I, I've been, the, first of all, if you sent me a message, Oh my God, thank you so much. The, it's been crazy the amount of support I've received. But JMS said something that was very, very perfect for me to hear. And she goes, Alex, you have spent years shining your light on other people it is okay to mm-hmm. dim it for a few months and let others shine on you. Oh,
0: yeah. And I was
1: like I was like started like I'm like almost crying right now just like thinking about how like per- because anyone knows me knows like that's the perfect thing to say to me. Not hey man yeah. don't worry about other people right now. Don't worry about this. It's like I'm going to. But telling me yeah. just I can dim my light and I don't have to give so much of my energy yeah. to others to make them feel good and maybe I can protect it a little bit right now. Got it. I gonna tell. You, I know we're wrapping up. I told somebody the other day at the comedy store, somebody walked up they're like, so man, where are you from? I looked at him and I went, I can't do this right now. Have a wonderful evening. And I just walked away. And I didn't know who this person was. Yeah. And they kind of were like in a state of shock, I think, like, what, what was that? And yeah. that was before, I probably would have talked to that person for the next half an hour going, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? Why did I start doing this? Yeah. And I said, I was just basically in the kindest way possible. I was just like, Fuck off. I'm not doing this.
0: Yeah. And allowing yourself boundaries, which I think is an important lesson with or without cancer. Yeah. Very much so. Um, Well, that's really beautiful. Thanks. Thank you for sharing. Um, It's so great talking to you. I do have one last question I like to ask everyone. Um, If your childhood self, like eight-year-old Alex, could meet you as an adult, what do you think he would think? Jesus
1: Christ, you're a lot uglier than I expected. Um, um, No,
0: No, like honestly,
1: I think... I think, I think about this sometimes because I was – first of all, I know my eight-year-old self wouldn't have received the information. Um, I know mm-hmm. I'd be stubborn and go, whatever, old man. I'm not listening to you. But I would just say like hold on because it's not always going to feel like this and you are going to find people that lift you up and inspire you and make you realize that being alive – truly is a gift if you make it one and this world Mm -hmm. is anything you want it to be and if you surround yourself with beautiful and loving people that it is your world will completely open up and complete and change however you want it to and i know my ear stuff would have been like fuck off i'm dying right now but honestly (laughs) like looking back that is what i would want to know is like Mm-hmm. You're gonna have a life that you never could have imagined, and yeah, yeah, that's very true. I, I'm already so much. I'm, I'm already so grateful because I'm so much further along than I ever thought I would be.
0: I love that. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you so much. It was great talking Dude, to you. Dude, I
1: love this. Thank you, Lisa.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Once again, that was Alex Hooper. You can find him on socials at Hooper Hair Puff. And I'm Lisa Curry. You can find me on Instagram and most other places at Olympian Lisa Curry. If you are in, near, or within reasonable traveling distance to San Francisco tonight, Thursday, September 15th. I am headlining Cobbs Comedy Club. You guys, I am so stoked. I've never been. I've always wanted to perform at Cobbs. Uh, It's going to be such a great time. There's a ticket link in my bio on my Instagram. See how I'm trying to get you to my Instagram? Go over there, follow me, click the ticket link, get yourself some tickets, come out. It's going to be such a great time. Other than that, we'll see you right back here next Thursday. Bye.